Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 25, coming at you on September 1st. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by Sam Ehrman and Andrew Woodruff. Today, we are going to jump into the AFC West, give you a little division preview, go through the Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, and Chargers. This is a, a heavyweight division, lots and lots of fantasy-relevant players, so we're going to break them down for you. While you're listening, be sure to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Just before the season's getting started here, we are rolling out so many things. We have our dashboard, which has every information, every piece of information you could want about every team. But once the season gets rolling, we're going to provide updates. We're going to have weekly recaps. We're going to have waiver wire columns, all that stuff. So head on over there and subscribe if you're not. Let's get into the AFC West. There was some big NFL news today. Obviously, uh, it was cut day and Cam Newton got cut, which I think took a lot of people by surprise. But Mac Jones has looked good in the preseason. So, Sam, you what do you make of this situation? Well, I mean, I, after you saw it happen, you kind of like, oh, OK, that makes sense. But until like you I was under the impression and I was. I posted on the Patreon last night. I was talking to a friend who's who's still in New England today. Said that you know right now the decision is they're leaning Cam, and then he he got cut. And I asked him what happened, and he said Coach Belichick came in this morning with a completely different mind, and he went with it. And that's where we're at. Um, I don't care where you had Mac Jones ranked pre-draft. You have to be afraid. You have to be afraid for the NFL because what you saw in the preseason looked really similar to the past 20 years, okay? Um, he's going to be there to play point guard. And I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Brady. I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady, but he works like Tom Brady. He holds everybody accountable like Tom Brady. He shows up like Brady. Um, I mean, for God's sakes, he's immobile like Brady. He had the pre-draft picture like Brady. I mean, there's so many parallels that it's ridiculous. But the thing is, is Mac Jones looked great. Um I mean, the first OTAs, there was a report that I re- that I came across and um, I reported that on the first day of OTAs, uh, Mac Jones was ripping into Gunnar Oshevsky for running the wrong route. Um, and Mac Jones has only gotten better since. Um, and he's the future. Um, I mean, and he's looked good. He's looked fantastic. And he's going to move that f- team up and down the field for touchdowns um, regularly. Um, yeah, he's going to have bad moments. He's going to have his bad games. But for fantasy, he's a QB2 this year. I mean, you can start him week one, and you know that it's a tough matchup, but you know if you're in a two-QB league or um, a super flex, you can start Mac Jones. And, and you might be able to say that for the next 15 years. Um, I'm excited. I was huge on Mac Jones coming in. He was my QB3. Um, he's looked great. He's looked even better than I anticipated. Um, there was people who said he had a noodle arm and I mean, those people clearly didn't watch the tape. So I muted those people, but, um, that noodle looked pretty, pretty good this past preseason. Um, I don't know how much you guys paid attention, but, um, he was, 
throwing some ropes out there, man. Um, so I'm excited. Patriots fans should be excited. The NFL should probably be a little nervous, but um, I, I respect greatness. Um, and, you know, I've seen what it takes to win in this league personally. So when I see a guy be able to build a dynasty like Bill Belichick has, I, I respect it. I enjoy it. Um, same thing with Alabama. Um, and I hope he hits. I really do. Oh, yeah. I mean, you heck, you hit a lot of the points for us fellow Patriot fans out there. Um, he looked great in the preseason. He's making all the throws. The offense looked fantastic. He was actually moving again compared to last season. I just didn't think Bill was actually going to do it. I figured we were going to ride with Cam Newton early into the season. Uh, offense starts struggling again. Then we make the transition. So I'm happy for Mac. The offense as a whole is up. The tight end, John o. Smith looks even better. Aguilar, whoever at receiver, potentially could have some more value this season. And the one I like the most is Damian Harris. Uh, Damon, Damian Harris. Like, I'm really excited for this kid now because he's looked like the RB1 all offseason. And now he's not going to have a rushing quarterback take 28 inside red zone attempts away and 12 rushing t- touchdowns. So I don't know how many of those he can actually get this season, but it's looking good for the offense. I'm happy for him. Yeah, I think Mac Jones has looked even better than than most would have thought. I, I wasn't overly high on him. So um, here's an honest question, and I don't mean to interrupt you. What do you think Kyle Shanahan's thinking right now? Like, I wonder, and I've been wondering this over the past few weeks, is I wonder if in 10 years, if Mac Jones really is like the GOAT 2.0 and Trey Lance busted, if Kyle Shanahan will come out and say something like, look, I wanted my guy and the media pressured me. Like, because like, I swear to God, he got pressured into taking Trey Lance. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I did see a tweet that somebody was pointing out that they were pretty confident that he traded up with the intention of taking Mac Jones, but ultimately changed his mind and went with Trey Lance so that's what I'm I'm curious about that but I think I think regardless I think he felt good about Mac Jones but the reason he decided Trey Lance is just because of the mobility so I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but I think Lance still provides kind of a different dynamic than Jones can yeah I mean no complaints on that but just I mean yeah no it's yeah, it's an interesting thought, especially with the Niners who are ready to win right now. It looks like Mac Jones can step right in where Lance might have a bit of a curve. But it really makes you wonder if like Mac Jones came in and San Francisco and looked this good, if they would have traded Jimmy G to the Patriots. So somewhere yeah, it, in an alternate universe. But yeah, it's the butterfly effect. The the ripple effect of all these moves in the NFL is just crazy to think about. But um that's enough about your Patriots, Andrew. Let's talk AFC West and my Denver Broncos. Um as I said at the top of the show, this is a pretty loaded division. There's just a lot of playmakers in this division. And you look at the Broncos and obviously neither quarterback was really going to be like a fantasy powerhouse. But I think the biggest thing is just how it affects Sutton, Judy, Gordon, Fant, Javante. So Sam, what's your take on, I guess, Teddy Bridgewater and this offense and just how it affects everybody? Well, first off, I'm, outright was a little shocking um i mean drew had a good camp and teddy must have just had a better one um so it is what it is obviously i wanted drew lock um but can i just get it i don't want to sorry to interrupt you but i just want to jump in because i want to make one point seeing it up close and personal this coaching staff is 
basically coaching for their jobs this year. Yeah. And I think that's scared. Yeah. They're coaching scared. They want to win, even if it's eight, nine games, if that saves their job and they feel more comfortable with Teddy where Locke offers more of that variance, the ups and downs. So they just felt safer with Teddy. In my opinion, I don't think Teddy's the better quarterback, or at least he doesn't have as high of a ceiling as Locke. I just feel like if you're a Broncos fan, you have to be disappointed because definitely you, you look go look at the Broncos and go look at the Panthers from last year. And that's pretty much what you're going to get. I mean, you'll probably win a few more games because the defense is obviously a lot better. Um, I mean, Teddy's going to move the ball. They probably won't get a lot of touchdowns. Um, I mean, he's never had what over 15 touchdown passes in a year. So I love Teddy. Uh, You know, I will never have a bad word to say against him. Um, You know, a little disappointed, but I'm happy for him. He's earned it. He's been through hell, and I hope he succeeds. Um, Melvin Gordon has looked really good this preseason. Am I like? I know it's been a short burst, but he's looked good. And I didn't think Javante Williams looked good in his little spat for the most part. I mean, yeah, he had like one good run, but everything else was kind of choppy, kind of playing fast, not trusting his reads, his zones. You know, so I think Melvin Gordon's going to be viable for at least the first half um anybody disagree with that no I think the I believe it was the first preseason game Javante looked really good he had a touchdown run called back that was a holding from like Judy that was irrelevant and he really displayed that contact balance but yeah after that yeah I think Gordon looked better and I I I do agree I mean we've heard Benjamin Albright say it who's the most trustworthy Broncos source and He's been saying all along that Gordon is their RB1, and I believe it. I just think, you know, eventually we'll start to see Javante take it over. But, yeah, I think Gordon will be relevant for maybe the first half or so. Javante's had, like, a little bit of a slower camp compared to what you would expect the hype to be out of Denver, second-round pick, traded up to go get him. And it's kind of been like, oh, like, Javante Williams. Like, yeah, he's here. Like, well. What's interesting is they didn't even play him in the last preseason game. He was a healthy scratch, which makes me feel like they wanted to look at Gordon maybe a little more. They wanted to see Gordon at least with the first team offense in a game setting because Gordon hadn't played yet. And maybe they had seen enough of Javante. So I think they're comfortable. Like, I think he's... Did they play before the Ravens? Because I wonder uh, if they didn't play him because they didn't want him to get hurt after seeing what happened at J.K. Dobbins. That could be. I'm trying to th- No, I think the Ravens play that's I a good question played. it's just like that I think weekend they, after that kind of just sucked because it's like oh like one of the best running backs in the nfl is done for the year most likely and then turned out he was so. yeah and that was my my guy if you guys listen to the my guys episode dobbins was my guy so that was definitely a a big bummer but yeah i just i mean i look at this offense and teddy was he had 7.08 yards per attempt last year, which was 54th in the league, which, and I think that's 54th among quarterbacks. I didn't even know that many, but so it's obviously skewed. Like, you know, there's no minimum on the attempts on that stat, but regardless, the point is like Teddy does not push the ball downfield. So, and they have some guys in this offense that can make big plays. I mean, I've talked about Judy's unrealized air yards all off season, but how do, how is he going to get those air yards back at all if Teddy's not pushing the ball down the field well that's my thing and that's my question is 
Am I crazy to think that Drew Lockett, or I mean, oh, not Drew Lock, Noah Fant was the biggest winner out of Teddy winning? Because if he's going to check the ball down, I mean, you're going to be checking it down to Noah Fant. Noah Fant owns the middle of the field in Denver. I mean, he stretches the field that you want to use him, obviously, in different ways. Like, I, yeah. So I think he's going to be, I mean, I already loved him for a prime year, but I think now having checked down two gloves, um, I mean, he could really, really start getting up there in receptions in a hurry because, I mean, Teddy will force feed whoever's in the middle of the field. I mean, I think you have to say Judy, I don't think is necessarily a loser here either in this situation. I feel like they're going to be able to sit there and work him open a little bit more in the intermediate of the field, especially if Sutton, I mean, he looks healthier in that last game for sure, but is he still 100% going into the season? No, probably not. He'll he'll get there over this, you know, and he may even deal with a hamstring issue later. It's just I hope he doesn't. Um, but I don't think he's 100%. But, I mean, I think he's the third receiver this year for that reason. Um, I think Jerry Judy's going to kind of show everybody, like, hey, look, this guy's really damn good. Um, and Noah Fant, obviously, we know is really good. Um, I think Cortland Sutton may – take a little bit of time to get back to hundred percent. He may deal with, you know, lingering issues. Um, the only thing it's weird. And the only reason I know this is because the whole Dalvin cook injury a few years ago is if you tear your ACL, it's scientifically proven that the next year you're more likely to have hamstring issues. That's the same thing happened to Dalvin and all these guys come back. I mean, that's why AP is so rare. Um, so there's a chance that Cortland Sutton may deal with some sort of hamstring issue this year which could sideline him for some while because Tim Patrick showed last year he could play too. So somebody's going to be the odd man out for fantasy. And if I had to pick, I'm just going to say it's the guy coming off the injury because that's really the only anti-factor I have really. Yeah. And I think I agree with you, Andrew, Judy's such a good route runner and getting open. He probably benefits from a little more accurate quarterback in Teddy, but he's probably not going to get those deep shots down the field like he was from Drew, even though Drew was like missing him. He was taking those shots last year. Um, But I do agree that Fant is going to benefit. And I think AJ Hamler might be the biggest loser, even though he wasn't necessarily on the radar. He had a really good preseason in camp and we saw Drew Locke hit him for a deep pass. I think he had a sneaky shot to be relevant this year, but not anymore. He doesn't. I, well, I never really thought he did for fantasy. He's probably always going to be one of those players who is better for the team than real life because he's so fast. Like, you never know when he's going to actually do anything. Yeah, I think he's more of a best ball play. But regardless, like, I just don't see them pushing the ball downfield. And I don't know what that means for Sutton. I mean, we talked about his health. I did see one clip of him the other day um, in that in that Rams game. He ran a really nice like double. Yeah, it was the one I tweeted cut. probably. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He yeah he cut looked... on an out route, and I said like, oh yeah, he sure looks good to me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that was what I saw. So he and he looked really sharp and crisp there, but he's a guy that benefits from like somebody like Drew Locke just giving him a 50-50 ball, whereas I think Bridgewater will default default more to Fant and Judy like over the middle, yeah. underneath that kind of stuff. That's good for my most important fantasy team, so that's all I care about. <laughs> that's not true sam you it's care funny. about people, our audience and the patrons well i know i know but people come all the time they're like hey man you want to join my league and i'm like no i don't really join new leagues and like oh it's crazy how many leagues in 
And they don't believe me when I tell them, I'm like, oh, I'm in four leagues. And to be honest with you, I would cut two of them if I could. And mm-hmm. here I am. But um, it's, you know, it just, I, for me, I like to play in a few leagues. So they're more important, but it is. That's how I am. And I, I was capping myself at like five and all of a sudden I'm in like 10, I think, which is a problem, but. Yeah. I just neglect them if I have too many. But, yeah, let's, let's hit the, let's hit the chiefs or something. All right. Kansas city chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a bum. Tyreek Hill. Bum. Travis Kelsey. Bum. Is it McCall Hardman season? They did cut, you should mention off the top. Uh, yeah. They did cut Cornell Powell. Powell. Yeah, which is kind of surprising. And but. Jarek McKinnon did win that second, that backup running back job. Um, I mean, who else was it going to be? Darwin Johnson. Um, who was, who was, it was somebody last year. I was Daryl Williams and. Uh, Daryl Williams, they brought on Le'Veon Bell halfway through. Because Damian Williams is in one of the Williams is Damian is up in Chicago and he just lost the I'm pretty sure he just lost the backup job to Khalil Herbert. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, Khalil Herbert's had a great preseason and Kylan Hill's a good player back in um, Green Bay, but that's totally beside the point. (laughs) Anyways, um, do you think any other pass catcher will be relevant in this offense this year besides the the usuals? Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Also yeah, known as a pass. Catcher. I think that bomb might be pretty relevant too. Um, you know, I think they're going to be a great offense. It's it's the Chiefs. You're going to start them every week. Um, mm-hmm. You're starting Travis Kelsey and Clyde edwards Lair and Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. And, you know, some weeks you're going to get 15 points. Some weeks you're going to get 40. Um, and that's what you do. I mean, congratulations. I mean, it's really that simple. I mean, I think that I honest to God thinks the I think the Chiefs is that simple. Like in my in like my main league, like Ryan owns all the Chiefs, so he's going to be starting them, and that's a great offense, and he stacked them well, and he's done a great job building that team. So I'm excited to compete against him. And um, I mean, the Chiefs, you know who to get. I don't really know if there's. I mean, Noah Gray, if you're in a dynasty league, if you want to stash, um, he's had a great preseason. All the players are excited about what he can do. Um, I mean, is there anything else really on the Chiefs? I mean, I think I I know (laughs) Hardman's not a great player, at least Uh, not yet. No, 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 no. Just let me. I think he's valuable as like a high upside. If you don't own a piece of that offense, I would roster Hardman in like deeper. I I have him in like nearly every league. If something were to happen to Tyreek Hill, he's the only guy on that roster that could fulfill that. But there's no like. I get why they drafted me, Cole Hardman, but you're, you can't replace Tyree Kill. Like, there's no – just because Mikkel Hardman is fast does not mean he's Tyree Kill. No, but when he's going as wide receiver 56, even if he gets a bigger slice of that offense, he's going to be – they're going to manufacture touches for him, especially if Hill is out. So that's the point. It's not that he's going to be Tyree Kill, but – he's going to be that player that they manufacture touches for and that can take the top off of the defense. No, I mean, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, like, Tyreek Hill is special. Like, he's – For sure. I mean, like, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill are all, like, generational different talents. I mean – Yeah. And mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is no bloke himself. I mean, he's a good football player, so – Yeah, and I – I'm expecting big things from Edwards Alaire. I know you are too, Andrew. Yeah. I mean, well, he had 1,100 yards last year. It was a first round pick and caught, what was it, 47 passes? 
and he's like been faded into the ground. And there's nobody behind him. Like it's Clyde Edwards-Helaire and nobody else. And he you have to think five upside, and nobody's talking about it. Right, and you have to think, like you said, Andrew. With I mean, it's kind of baffling that they didn't add a number two wide receiver somewhere along the way. I know they tried to get Juju, and maybe they were in on a few guys, but it's kind of crazy that really it's Hardman Robinson. Pringle's an interesting name, but you have to think CEH benefits in terms of his target volume from the lack of uh, receiving options. Didn't they bring in a veteran? Uh, like I know they drafted Cornell Powell, who apparently can't play. Um, um, and I know, I mean, like I know they re-signed Demarcus Robinson, and he's always there. And Demarcus Robinson always seems to show up in those primetime games. He does. Like he really does. He and really I know does. They, I know they like Byron Pringle. <laughs> They've talked, they've spoken highly about Pringle. He's just, you know, I don't think he's oh, a special yeah, it's talent, Pringle. but yeah. he might. I, Pringle, from everything that I've seen and heard, is probably the wide receiver you want over Hardman, and he's probably a lot cheaper. Yeah, Hardman's I mean, going as wide receiver 56 in Dynasty, and I couldn't even tell you where Pringle's, Pringle's going. Pringle's probably not even being drafted in Dynasty. Undrafted. Yeah, yeah definitely undrafted. But here's the thing. He's 28 years old, never done anything in the NFL. But, I mean, like, Nicole Hardman's 25 and still doesn't even have a breakout age. Pringle's so. young. No, Pringle's only – No, Pringle's 28. He is oh, an yeah. old He'll man. He'll be 28. He'll be 28. Yeah. That's – I thought he was younger than that. I thought no, he was like, like he's surprisingly, like, old. Okay. Interesting. So, he's like a two-year window if you want a guy – and he's free. You could probably go pick him up in your leagues right now. Is he sexy? No. Will he probably ever do anything? Doubtful. But if you're but talking for free, the realm of, yeah, exactly. Especially for comparing the cost to Miko Hardman. I mean, from everything that I've heard, Hardman's had a bad camp. So. Yeah, I I think he has. He hasn't really dropped and stuff. Yeah. And that's what I say. Like they're gonna have to manufacture touches for him because he's not he's not like a great route runner and, and things of that nature. So, um, but I guess in terms of CEH, we talked about his upside. So like, how high are you willing to take him? Like, would you take him over say Deandre Swift? Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. One of a better scoring offense. RB1 I agree. I agree. It's just that Swift is going as RB 11. I think is RB12. Deandre Swift is rapidly on his way to bust potential. Yeah, I'm not he a fan. He's never on the field. He's hurt already. And he's only going to catch passes. Like, what the frick? How like, about... I'm sorry. Like, DeAndre Swift is a good football player, but just like Kerryon Johnson, he was never on the field. Is yeah. he going to play week one? I think so. How about, I sure. think, uh, CEH and Gibson is a tougher one. Well, I have Gibson like RB6. So I would probably take Gibson. I think they both have top five upside, but I think Gibson has RB1 overall upside. Mm-hmm. Um, CH is going to miss also like that potentially that first week with the ankle coming back. So it's just like I'll go Gibson just for the for sure early season work. Plus, he's just a bigger dude. Yeah. I think I agree with that, but that one's really close. How about mm-hmm. um, Tyreek Hill? We know he, like, any of you guys have him as your wide receiver one this year? Um, he's like my wide receiver two or three. He bounces back. Honestly, like, sometimes with my dynasty rankings, I have those tier one guys like DK and 
um, Tyree Kill and Stefan Diggs, like I rotate them sometimes. Like every few months, I'll just rotate them in my top three because, like, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, they're superstars. Like, yeah, it's so close. Just take, yeah, you know, like I don't have anything take. bad to say. Like, if I had DK or Adams or Hill, I mean, I wouldn't, I'd be happy. Yeah, I've got Tyree Kill first, but I've got him in the top tier with Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and I've actually got Hopkins over DK. But again, all near that top tier for redraft purposes. Yeah, I think you can kind of shuffle those guys around and, and feel okay about it. So yeah, I mean that's kind of honestly what I do. I How about um, the? Do you guys have anything left on the Chiefs, or you want to talk about the Raiders? Can we talk about the Raiders? Yeah, I feel like there's. <laughs> we all know. That's what we Sam all know. Today. Yeah. Yes, sir. Just, just go ahead, Sam. I'll just just go ahead. I'll work my way around to it. Okay. Um, but on a serious note, though, um, the most obvious cut today was John Brown. Um, and I think that's indicative of their wide receiver room. I mean, they didn't play Brian Edwards or Henry Ruggs all preseason. I think that tells you what they think about those guys. Um, I don't even know after those two guys. Is it Willie Sneed? I believe that is Willie Sneed and Zay Jones are the wide receivers after Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs after those cuts. So, like, it is Hunter no Renfro? Hunter Oh, Renfro? yeah. Well, Mr. Third Down, like, I don't really know if I consider him a wide receiver. Like, he's just on the field, and, like, sometimes he plays, and sometimes he's blocking. So, like, no, nah, I'm joking. But, um, yeah, I really did just blank on Hunter Renfro. My bad. That's embarrassing. But he'll be there. I mean, like, he'll have his 50 receptions. I mean, he's a good football player. Um, I think the guy you want is Brian Edwards. I mean, he's had a great cramp. He's six foot three, 220 pounds. Um, Derek Carr has been force feeding him and getting ready, getting him ready to go. Um, they clearly have a lot of faith in him and Henry Ruggs because they cut their most valuable wide receiver right after those guys. Um, a tight end, it's Darren Waller, and that's about it. Um, I mean, we can talk about the running backs and quarterback in a minute, but we can get through the wide receivers first. I mean, he's kind of been beating the drum all offseason for Brian Edwards. I mean, he's your alpha receiver. He's getting force-fed, red zone especially, by Derek Carr, who used to also throw to Devontae Adams, another big receiver having good success out there. Ruggs, I mean, I know I've heard people talk about how with this coaching staff, there's a history before that they've tried incorporating fast players, but I don't know when it comes to like just their ADP, like Ruggs is still going higher than Edwards, but Edwards has that better alpha size receiver category. So I think I would still lean him there. I mean, I even put it in my redraft article I dropped today, just for players outside the top 120 picks of just this season. Brian Edwards is still going outside the top 120. Like, he's that upside dart that you like to get in these redraft leagues. I don't really understand how he's still going outside of the top 120. Like, when you look at some of the names that are going in front of him, it's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you drafting Devontae Parker before Brian Edwards? <laughs> I mean, seriously. No, you're not wrong. He's 22 years old, six foot three, 220 pounds, He's been dominant in both training camps. Uh, he was great to start the year last year, got hurt. I mean, there's nobody else behind him, really. I mean, like he's – I don't know what else to tell people, man. I mean, 
get on the damn train. It's leaving. So for redraft purposes, I looked it up. He's going at receiver 69. Uh, pick 160 overall, and here are some of the receivers going in front of him. A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall Jr., Jamison okay. Crowder, Russell Gage, Nelson Aguilar, Elijah Moore, which I'm surprised Elijah's that low. Well, he after his, like, great little rookie camp, he's been, like, non-existent. He's been hurt ever since, so – People forgot about him. I mean, we literally live in a recency biased league. So, yep. Uh, even Miko Harmon's over here, all the way up at receiver 60. Darnell Mooney, receiver 61. Paris Campbell at 58. Yeah. That's the problem, though. Of like, this is now instead of just us nerds who are all like in this little corner, this is like the mass public ADP. So they don't know what they're doing. You know, I mean, like, these guys are just picking up their magazines and their drafts right now, Googling who to draft, you know. So, I mean, I've thought about going on to ESPN and just joining a pub league and curb stomping it just to feel good about myself. But I don't really want to have to manage another league. It's like those pub leagues, man, are ridiculous. Yeah, I can't say the same. I'm starting a teacher league for my high school, and I am very excited about using ESPN ADP. Oh, uh, you're going to – Hope for good things. It's like taking candy from a baby. Like, you should feel bad about it, but you can't help it because it's, like, literally free money. Uh, no, we're playing it for bragging rights. Well, yeah, but bragging rights also work too. Um. I personally really like Zay Jones in this offense. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't. I don't really have anything to add on the wide receivers. I like. I'm I was high waiting. On Edwards. I was waiting to hear this case. <laughs> I was about to just like end the Zoom. All right, you guys, you have a good one. Um, the thing is, I, is, he was such. He was like a great college prospect. He yeah. was drafted so high, he just can't play in the NFL. I think Derek Carr is still a. a decent value i know we talked about him on one of our previous shows just the guy's never missed a game he hasn't missed one game he has he broke his back well sorry before that yeah but he's okay (laughs) he's been a high-end qb2 every last year he was qb13 like he's just really consistent he's played let's see so 16, 16, 15, 15, 16, 16, 16 games. So even when he broke his back, he only missed, what, one game that year? It was because at the end of the season, they went to the playoffs and got beat because and he had, I think it was uh, Connor Cook who had to play start the playoff. Oh, right. yeah. and, and then I remember Mariota came in um, last year for yeah, like a great. half. But either way, like, I think he's just a reliable QB2 in, like, a two-quarterback league. So, I think he's a pretty good guy. He's going as, like, QB24, 25. Um, so, again, just – I think he's a pretty safe QB2, which is usually what I look for in my QB2 um, in those types of leagues. You just need a guy that's going to be there and be consistent because you can't afford to have somebody flop at that position. So, I think mm-hmm. he's kind of valuable there. Um, but how are we feeling about this backfield uh, with Kenyon Drake added to the mix – um, I, I mean, John Gruden's been pretty simple and straightforward about it. Um, Josh Jacobs is going to carry the football a lot. And then Josh or Kenny Drake's going to come in on third downs and catch footballs when he needs to. I mean, like, 
Josh Jacobs will probably still rush for over a thousand yards. Wherever he's being drafted is too low, in my opinion. Um, it's yeah, he's he's going as RB twenty one on DLF, which I think really just Drake being in the mix has kind of just made Jacobs a little more valuable because it's pushed his his stock down a bit. I you know people look at that contract and like oh my god they gave him so much money. Well, the Raiders are also kind of dumb. Like, I think they wanted to bring Kenyon Drake in as a backup to him. They just way overpaid him because they don't know what they're doing. Right. Um, I mean, Josh Jacobs was the first-round pick. He's done exactly what they've asked him to do since he was drafted. He's rushed for over 1,000 yards. He catches football. He's on the field. I mean, I don't know what else you want from a running back that late. Um, I'm all about Josh Jacobs at his ADP. I did a, um underdog – draft the other day i got josh Jacobs in the sixth round that's, that's good value yeah he should yeah, be going people are so earlier. afraid of Kenyon drake yeah history says not to worry about the backup that much so at rb20 guys i'll take josh jacobs i mean what he was rb8 10 last year so i mean even if he loses a little bit of the work it's not like he was getting a bunch of receiving work anyway he should right. still hold similar value. Yeah, that's a good point. He wasn't getting a ton of work in the passing game regardless. But do we think Kenyon Drake has much standalone value? Mm, I would grab him just on the off chance that Jacobs gets hurt for a week and try and flip. But well, by himself, no, not for me. It, in PPR leagues, maybe. I mean, maybe. I doubt it. But maybe, I mean, like, if John Gruen's accurate on what he wants Kenyon Drake to do, which is come in on third down and catch footballs, then, I mean, he could finish the year with 40, 50 catches and maybe, you know, be a flex piece some weekends. But, I mean, he's not really somebody I'd want to target, even if he was the starting running back. To be honest with you, I tried that last year. Yeah, I think he'll probably catch around 50 balls. I think he's kind of that guy that's on your roster that you never want to play. But like if you need a desperation flex play and you're just like in a bad spot, like he might have some weeks where he yeah. he's valuable. But you're probably not going to know when that's going to happen. And and I, I still am on board with Jacobs with you guys. Um, and expect another big year from Darren Waller. Right. I mean not much to say about him besides he's an absolute baller and i think he's is he all of our tight end one in dynasty i know he's sam and i i don't know about you andrew but uh, uh, if he's not one he's two i mean he's right there but he has uh, you have george kittle over him you're just being a fanboy. i do have darren waller right here listed as uh, tight end two for redraft so i mean flip him however you want yeah, either way, he's going to he's gonna ball out. So um, let's move on to the Chargers. Justin Herbert in year two, Austin Eckler coming back. Um, there's a few guys vying for that backup running back role. I know Andrew and I have talked about Larry Roundtree <laughs> a little bit. I, I like – I mean, he's a guy that you talk about free, and he could end up – whoever the RB2 is in this offense is going to have some value as – you know, scoring touchdowns and, and kind of running between the tackles. But um, in terms of pass catchers, I mean, it's really Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then just a bunch of guys. So uh, what do you make of this offense, Andrew? Uh, well, I mean, going back to the running back position, Roundtree, like you said, carries a lot of good value, especially for your 
deep taxi stashes because Justin Jackson just isn't it. Joshua Kelly most definitely isn't that. So, I mean, why not take a shot and see if Roundtree can be the backup to Eckler, the offensive weapon this season. Um, kind of like you already said, the offense is mostly going to funnel through Eckler, Allen, maybe Mike Williams to an extent. I'm not super high on that one. I do think the tight end is going to get featured, but it depends on if Jared Cook stays healthy all year. I think Cook's a great mentor this for this group that came in. He's real young. You got Donald Parham Jr., uh, Steven Anderson, Trey McKitty. Like, I think Cook's just brought in to be that good veteran presence that can lead for a year, let him still play a ball, go get a championship attempt, and then let these young guys take over. Um, the I guess the dart throw on receivers, Joshua Palmer. I haven't got to watch this offense this much uh, this preseason. How did he look? I've heard a couple flashes, but I hadn't heard too much. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, um, Larry Roundtree did make the 53-man roster, so that officially does make him, like, officially interesting. Like, he's, you know, like Jaden Hawkins has already been cut twice. Like, probably never played down league, but, like, you know, he's still got a chance. But uh, Josh Palmer's had a great camp. He's looked good. They've liked him. I've heard reports that he was pushing Mike Williams for the two spot. Um, I don't know if that's actually true or if he even actually did win the job, but he's looked good from the few clips that I've seen and stuff that I've heard, but I don't know how much relevance he'll have. Um, Cause I mean, you have two target hogs and Keenan Allen and all. Uh, I don't really know how valuable those other two guys are. Like Mike Williams, I think we're, think we're to the point now with Mike Williams, like we know who he is, right? So are you interested, I guess, the question, uh, taking the shot at the other guy? Yeah, I think, guy. I mean, the, the question, with, question with Williams has always been health for me. I mean, he gets hurt so often that you could see Palmer kind of take over that second role due to an injury to, to Williams, and then Palmer may never give it back. I, they did I saw, draft him early too. It was a third round pick. Yeah. And I saw Keenan, there was a quote from Keenan Allen saying that Palmer was ahead of where Keenan Allen was at this time as a rookie, um, just in terms of his, just the overall training camp, but you know, in terms of like route running and just like his IQ out there and everything. And he, he's a guy that moves around the formation as well. So I like that. So I, I think Palmer has a shot to, to be something. I mean, he didn't really show much in college, but, of course, that's because context-wise, Tennessee. Tennessee was not a great situation. So, like, I remember just barely listing him as, like, a backup option. It's like, hey, I might want to put this on the Debbie dashboard at some point down the road. And then all of a sudden, I think it was uh, Senior Bowl, the whole week, everybody keeps talking about Palmer, Palmer, Palmer. I'm like, okay, I probably need to put this guy on the actual official roster for everybody to see because – He's been making plays, and we know the Senior Bowl is against other elite top guys that normally get drafted pretty well. So that doesn't surprise me if he's already pushing Williams a little bit. So, um, Sam, back to your early question. I think at this point I do think you flip Williams and just go with the young guy and hope for a better outcome because I don't think Williams is ever going to reach a good ceiling where we actually want to use him week in and week out. But I think injuries are just taking a toll on his body. He plays so rough. But anytime he catches the football, he like 
the dude jumps 12 feet in the air and lands on his whole body every time he catches mm-hmm. a pass. So he's like, he's always hurt because he like, seems like tries to get hurt. Yeah. He's another guy I like in best ball just cause he's going to have a lot of spiked weeks, I think. But it's interesting because Mike Williams is a, a real gem in terms of his profile and analytics and everything where Josh Palmer has really none of that, but he's put together this amazing camp. So if you're like an analytics guy, you're probably not too fond of Palmer, but yeah, I think he's one of those guys that just makes plays and does everything right. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how are we feeling about Justin Herbert. Do we think he continues ascending or kind of falls back down in a sophomore slump? Um, I want to take the obvious. Oh yeah. He's going to keep getting better. Um, but we don't know if, you know, his new head coach, a new offensive scheme and all that stuff's going to work. We don't have any idea. We assume, I mean, like, he'll say something to the coach if it's not working. So I assume he's going to get better. Probably still continue to be a QB1. But, I mean, like, there is a realm of possibility where he struggles this year. I mean, like, new coach, new system. You know, you just learned a new system last year. Now you're doing it again. I mean, the NFL, that's a bitch. I've been there. That is hard. Even in college, it's hard. Um, even in high school. Learning a new playbook is hard, let alone the NFL. So um, he may start slow, maybe the first two weeks. You know, it's like, oh, whoa, what's going on? Just nervous. But I think, I mean, like, if we go for all, he's going to continue to get better. I mean, the dude's a superstar, really. Yeah, he's going as QB6 in Dynasty right now, which is – That's his ceiling this year. Pretty big investment. You think that's his ceiling? Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I think that's going to be a ceiling. Like, yeah, um, but if you're drafting him at QB six, like you're drafting him with the expectation for the next 15 years, you don't have to look at that spot and worry. I mean, yeah, that's a hope, but things change every two years. Yeah. Andrew, we <laughs> are in fairy tale land right now. I know it. I would love to be that way too, but I mean, we have to look at it. Things change. I mean, I'd be granted like, the odds of him and Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes going anywhere the next two years is pretty slim. But, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, like, you never know. Week one, Patrick Mahomes could go out there and blow his knee out and never be the same and in two years get cut. I mean, that is that is possible. I don't think so, and I hope that doesn't happen because we would be robbed of something potentially amazing. But I'm like, I don't even want to go down that road. That's not what I'm here for. Like, I'm talking about players being drafted outside – of the top 10 who could have a higher ceiling that would push Herbert down for the price that you have to take him at. For example, um, before I got cut off, apparently I mentioned Justin Fields. I think he's outside the top 10, but based off his preseason, he could definitely have a higher ceiling based off the fact that he is a dual threat, both on the ground and with his arm. Like I get it. So I'm not upset if you're taking Herbert at QB six through QB eight range, but I'm just saying like that might be his ceiling for right now until we see more like quarterbacks slump all the time as sophomores. We know that even his back half rookie season, he wasn't the same. So it depends on the situation and what you're going for. He did have 234 rushing yards. So, I mean, he's a little bit mobile. He provides some mobility, but I get what you're saying. I, I think, I don't know, QB seven is, is pretty rich for him. And I, I do agree that you're kind of drafting him 
um, at a ceiling. But again, you, like Sam said, the hope is that it's just kind of a set it and forget it going forward. And we saw the talent flash last year. And I mean, this offense has weapons, especially getting Eckler back this year. I, I think Eckler, I mean, obviously he's a playmaker. So what do you guys uh, think about Eckler this year coming back off his injury? Underrated. It seems he's like going as him. he's going as RB fifteen in dynasty, which yeah is is a little low probably. Yeah, if you're going to win this year, I'm for it. I'll say I can definitely see him finishing at the back end RB one. Like I'm not saying he's going to be RB four like he was a couple of years ago. That was just match made in heaven. But back end RB one for an early RB two price. Um, I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this, but. I think he's fine for actual fantasy purposes. Like, like PPR leagues, yeah, you want Austin Eckler. I mean, like, he's going to catch a lot of passes. Um, but that's kind of the problem. Um, Austin Eckler, when he's on the field, that offense is way less efficient because they're always worried about checking the ball down to him. And, like, when he's not in the field, that safety valve isn't there. So Justin Herbert's willing to make more of those risky throws. I noticed it last year, and I thought I had noticed it with Phillip Rivers – and I did, and then, like, I noticed the same tendency with um, Philip Rivers – I mean, Justin Herbert, which was that they over-rely and check it down on Austin Eckler, and sometimes those offensive drives stall. I mean, yeah, you get, the like, the one point for the reception, but, um, I mean, I think he's a fine player. Um, he's horrible. Like, like, the thing is, is he rushes in between the tackles so rarely that his numbers look good because when he does, like – you know, he gets like four or five yards of carry. But, like, in reality, he's not good in between the tackles. Um, that's the reason why he doesn't rush in between the tackles very often. Um, he's great out of the backfield. Um, he, and he's great, at, you know, reading blocks. He'll pick up the shit and um, stick his nose in there. I mean, I love Austin Eckler, the player, and um, for fantasy. But I think for overall, when he's on the offense, on the field, pay attention next year when he's off the field, like if he ever gets hurt the offense will take bigger chunks more often. Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting point. I think there's, there's probably something to that. I'm trying to pull up some numbers, but my internet's kind of freezing here, but that's kind of why, you know, I do think that there's going to be another running back in this offense. That's very viable because Eckler, I mean, they try to like force targets to him, but they don't, utilize him between the tackles or in short yardage all that much and obviously you have a new coaching staff and everything but I wouldn't you know I would expect they utilize him in that backfield pretty much the same way that they have been in the past would that partly though be because that the offensive line was not as good as we hope it should be this year I mean if I look last year yeah uh win rate percentage for running was dead last pass rate percentage for winning was 31st so um here's my thing about the offensive line with them is i never think about it because it literally couldn't get worse than what it was last year so you bring in with sean slater um and you put him there and your offensive line is going to get better so i'm not worried about the offensive line it couldn't be worse than it was last year you bring in a superstar like that um you know, they also signed Corey Lindsley, who's one of the best centers in the league. Um, mm -hmm. I think they'll be one of the better offensive lines of the league. But even if they're not, I'm not worried because they'll be better than they were last year. And that's how I look at that, honest to God. Yeah, so 
about to say, that's one reason I'm still in on Eckler. I think that offense as a whole will be okay up front blocking, or at least better than it was. And again, he's a weapon for PPR purposes, which is mostly every league I play at this point. Like he's a value and he's going to produce. Yeah. I mean, his last full healthy season, he had almost a thousand receiving yards and you can probably say this year he, with that added game, you know, yeah. And he, I mean, he could be 80, 90 targets. Like he's going to be, you know, he's kind of an Alvin Kamara light. And I know Sam probably hates me saying that because of what he just said. And Kamara is actually really good, but just in terms of kind of the way that he's been utilized and, and what his skill set allows him to do. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I hate or think that Austin Eckler was bad. I just think that when they funnel the offense through him, it slows down. Do you think that Jared Cook is going to be a tight end one this year, or how will you feel about him? Uh, I think if you started him, you're in a bad spot, and you're hoping to go for a touchdown. Yeah, he's he's kind of in that streaming territory yeah, for really me. I don't see why you would ever actually – like. I don't see a world where he's like 25 again. You know, I mean, I. Yeah. For a touchdown here or there. Let's say I'm not super high on him. I think they'll use him some here and there, but nothing fantasy relevant. My big hope, especially in Dynasty, is just hoping that they can eventually make Donald Parham Jr. more of a feature. It's not happening this year. I know that, but I can dream for Dynasty purposes that. The dude, as big as he is, looks like a pretty good athlete. I just hope they would let him develop. So he's going to be the Mo Alley Cox of the West, huh? Gosh. The guy who's six foot seven has been there for 40 years and never developed. <laughs> hey, I mean, Mo, Mo Alley Cox, like every year, has been hyped up as the breakout candidate because he played basketball at six foot six. It's like, but he hasn't gotten any better. Yeah, see, Parham's only in his second year, so I'm still okay with that purpose, especially when, like, he at least did produce a little bit in that little, what, XFL league before he came over. So he was dominating somewhere and actually playing some type of football. So, like I said, Jerry Cook, I think, is going to be a good purpose for him. I don't know what he'll end up becoming, but if he can become the featured tight end one for Herbert's offense moving forward, I mean, I like it. That's another Hunter Henry essentially down the road, back in tight end one, hopefully. They did also draft a tight end in the third round, Trey McKitty, who minimal college production, and I think a lot of people thought that was super early for him, but he's, I don't know, he has some some tools. So I guess I don't know if it would be him or, or Parham that you'd want in Dynasty. I mean, if you're going to follow the trail, you would follow the draft capital. Um, cause that's a, that's a pretty early pick. Um, I, I just, even, just because and that's the problem is even just because he was drafting third round doesn't mean you should take him because like the round still was pretty early. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a late day three guy who paid a lot of money. Yeah, it was a bit of a reach. Uh, Andrew, off the top of your head, or do you know how McKitty graded out in the tight end yeah. model? Or? Uh, yeah, I was looking that up right now, just confirming what I thought. Uh, Trey McKitty is definitely in the red, 
like very low in the red. Um, if we put all tight ends together, we look at post-draft score. Let me filter this down. Because Parham, Parham graded out pretty strongly, right? Parham, I think, was like an athletic stash. Yeah. So I'll find him in just a second. 73. Yeah, he he's in the bottom 30 out of like 100-plus tight ends, so I would not touch that. I don't care what draft capital says. Yeah, and I think, like Sam says, that draft capital is kind of – it was a bit early for him. Like, typically you follow draft capital, but, like, he, he hasn't even made any noise in camp. He's kind of just been just a guy. You know, they signed Jared Cook. I mean, I don't know. I don't really want either of them. Um, it is what it is. Um, I guess depending on, you know, what kind of tight end you're looking at. Uh, I mean, those are, I mean, Trey McKinney typically is the kind of guy to go after, but I just don't think he's good at football. So, yeah. I think there's plenty of other young tight ends I'd rather stash, but um, so speaking of one of them, uh, instead of Mo Alley Cox, you can go for Colin Ranson. At least that dude looks like he's doing something already. Yeah. Well, I just traded him away in my main dynasty league, so I hope he doesn't do anything. <laughs> I traded I traded um, Kylan Granson, who I picked up off the waiver wire in a mid second round pick for next year. For um, Sony Michelle and Ryan's second round pick next year, so it'll be the second to last pick since I'll win the championship again. Um, he gave me the option between my pick and Ryan's pick, and I was like, "Well, obviously, I'll take you know the earlier pick." Um, so you know, I'm talking a lot of shit here, but uh, yeah, um, I don't remember what well, I was going. But... Regardless, I don't think we really want. <laughs> Any of these tight ends and uh, the show's starting to go off the rails. So let's close it out. You guys got any last words for the AFC West before we, before we close it out? I'm excited to see it unfold. Um, I, if I had to tell you right now what, who I thought, like, I think Chiefs will be finished first. I think Raiders will finish second, Chargers third, Broncos fourth. Um, I think the Chargers start slow with the new coaching staff. Um, I think, you know, John Gruden and Brian Edwards and those guys helped the, you know, the Raiders take a big step. Um, they've addressed some of the defensive needs. Um, Alex Ludwood has been great through camp. So I guess, and then I just don't think you win very many games with Teddy and then it is what it is. I'm, I'm obviously a Broncos uh, fan, so maybe it's not fair to say, but I just think with that defense, that defense is going to be nasty. I don't, I don't think, I think they'll stay out of the basement just because of the defense, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not overly confident with with Teddy at the helm, but we could see Drew Locke get another shot. I mean, it's very possible. I do that... think at some point you see Drew Locke. I just think Teddy's going to struggle. When people are like, we want Drew, we want – and he's going to play. Um, and he's going to get his opportunity. Well, gonna, and I hope he's ready. Especially, like I said, if this, this coaching staff is doing what they are trying to save their jobs and just win enough games, if Teddy's struggling and they're not winning, they're going to get desperate and, and just try to – see if Locke can catch fire so but it'll be a fun division I it's always these teams are always interesting so um with that as I mentioned head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts we will get you ready for the NFL season um we've got lots of exciting stuff we're gonna have more 
redraft stuff, but more daily stuff coming uh, this season in addition to our Dynasty content. So head on over there, get subscribed, and we have one division left. So we'll be back next week to break down the NFC, NFC West on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.